Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. Mm. Oh, I am so grateful that this opportunity is here for us right now to quit the subtle attack. That's the topic this week. And I am grateful to share on this topic. Boy, it's something I know so, so, so much about. And uh, being able to eliminate the habits of the subtle attacks has really transformed my life. Yes. It has. So let's dive in deeply here and let's begin with a prayer and a blessing. So I invite you to join me. Let's place our hands on our hearts. Be so grateful and so thankful for the opportunity to know and recognize the truth. Our willingness is all that's required, and we are willing to give up all of our attachments to attack in all its forms, subtle and gross. We are grateful to recognize that it is our spiritual destiny to be truly helpful, to represent the one who sent us. And so we're giving to the Holy Spirit for healing all the patterns of attack, whether we know what they are or not. We are grateful to open our awareness to the healing power and presence of love and to fully surrender any desire or need to attack. We are grateful to open ourselves to unlimited compassion, kindness, patience, generosity of the heart, and we are extending it to all of our brothers and sisters We are grateful to be a beacon of Christ's love and Christ's light, ever stronger, so clear. We are grateful to share the benefits with every brother, every sister, every being, because we are one with them. In gratitude, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. 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 Mmm. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining with me. Ah, yes. So the subtle attacks, the subtle attacks can be directed at ourselves or someone else. Doesn't matter because it's all one. Whether it's ourselves or someone else, the attack is still directed at God, at ourselves, and at everyone else because of the unity of all life. Uh, I found this quote in Chapter 9, Section 4, Paragraph 7. This is the section entitled, The Holy Spirit's Plan for Forgiveness, where Jesus says, It is a particularly dangerous combination of grandiosity and confusion that makes the ego likely to attack anyone and anything for no reason at all. This is exactly what the ego does. It is unpredictable in its responses because it has no idea of what it perceives. So remember, perception and projection are often one in the same. That what we see may not really be there. It, it's all about what we are seeing with. Are we seeing through the lens of the past or are we seeing what's actually there? So a few weeks ago, I was sharing how Jesus says that he, he was referring to being upset because of the symptoms of something that's going on in our lives. But why would we be upset about the symptoms when we placed them there in our experience? So to me, that is a reference to the script already being written. 
And so understanding that every little thing that's happening in our lives is an opportunity for us to wake up, take responsibility for what we see, how we see it, our interpretation of it, the meaning we make of it, and the feelings that we have because of that meaning, because of that interpretation. So to me, that is one of the most important things for us to take from A Course of Miracles, is that this responsibility is how we take our power back and use it well. So understanding that the combination of grandiosity and confusion make the ego likely to attack anyone when we're ego-identified we could attack anyone for any reason. And so as spiritual students who are cultivating that spiritual responsibility and living a life that brings benefit to everyone, being truly helpful, then part of our experience is to be on the lookout for the subtle forms of attack. And one of the most helpful things we have to keep us from engaging in those subtle forms of attack is to stay in touch with how we feel. And for many of us, that in and of itself is a challenge because we are thinking thoughts that disturb our peace. We're thinking thoughts and believing things that aren't actually true and they are causing feelings of despair and feelings of sadness and feelings of anger and resentment. And all of this, uh, Jesus addresses in that section, this need not be. That we don't need to feel any of that. We don't need to experience. It's not a need. It's not required. It is a choice. We can learn through joy or we can learn through pain. We can remember the truth and wake up to a joyful existence, remembering to laugh, taking responsibility for what we think and what we feel. Or we can blame others. We can feel like a victim of the world and we can learn through the experience of making ourselves miserable and other people as well, contributing to their misery. So these are the choices that we have. And this, to me, is why it's so much more important that we focus our micro-attention on these choices. Is the next choice a loving choice? If I say that, is it loving? Really getting out there in front of these choices to decide what we're going to say. I have many conversations with people who will say things that, um, well, I shouldn't say many conversations. I have conversations with folks who are bothered about things and they'll say things that indicate that they feel like a victim, that they are blaming, that they feel attacked, and so they're justifying their attacks. And then they, and if I point out what they're saying and that they're, this is a statement of feeling like a victim, do you feel like a victim? Well, no. Well, you're speaking as though you do feel like a victim. And they, so they are looking at life from a victim point of view, but they don't wish to acknowledge that they feel like a victim. They're acting like a victim. Because in spiritual circles, that's bad, right? That's low consciousness. And so to me, it's helpful to just say, oh, wow, you're, yeah, I am thinking like a victim. So I started to cultivate the ability to have the humility to see, oh, wow, I am responsible for feeling like a victim here. I am responsible 
for thinking they are attacking me. I am responsible for this mess that I see. I am responsible for it. I am. And then I can take a breath and be, okay, now that I've accepted responsibility for it, I would like to shift it and transform it. So the subtle forms of attack come when I'm not willing to take that responsibility. And I am looking to offload that feeling like a victim. I, you know, just so often it goes back to this clear teaching that Jesus has given us that if we are attacking anyone for any reason, it is because uh, uh, if we are defending ourselves rather for any reason, it is because we have a subtle desire to attack a hidden desire to attack. We feel justified in attacking. And so we will incorporate that attack into our defense. It's like hiding it. It's a subterfuge. So if we can go back to, in our own mind, that attack, it can only happen in the illusion it's not a real thing. It's not a permanent thing. It's not a lasting thing. It's an activity in the illusion, born of the delusion that generated the illusion. And so we can move into a place of non judgment of all attack, and that will assist us in actually reducing the amount of attack we engage in. And I'm all for that. So if we perceive that we are being attacked, it is helpful to be able to move into a place of, I cannot be attacked. I cannot be attacked. My experience in this world as a body there can be the experience of attack. But in truth, in my true reality, I cannot be attacked. So that being acknowledged as the truth, someone is trying to attack me, Holy Spirit, instead of defending myself, let me be truly helpful. Let me represent the one who sent me. Tell me what to say, what to do, where to go, when to go, so that I can be of service in this situation and bring about the highest and best for all. So I don't need to defend myself. That's not worthwhile an activity to me. Instead, let me move into transformation. And it starts with my willingness. So the subtle attacks, let's talk about what some of those subtle attacks are. And uh, gosh, I used to be so expert at doing the subtle attacks, the subtle complaints. And uh, it, it can be, it, of course, we, we can think of Folks who would say things like, uh, oh, I really like that uh, meal you made the other day better than this one. I like that cake you made the other day better than this one. Those are subtle kinds of attack. Uh, oh, you know, somebody says, oh, I love this restaurant. Really, you do? Hmm. Well, I I really like... Fine dining. So, you know, people find subtle ways to attack like that. But there are other subtle ways to attack that are even more subtle, which are things like uh, seeing someone as pathetic. That That's really an attack on them. You're, you're judging them and thinking that they are in a very bad way. 
when we don't know what's really going on with that person, this may be the exact thing that they need to bring on the breakdown that inspires their breakthrough. So while it may look through the lens of my eye that they are in a place of being pathetic, it may be that they are right on track with their spiritual growth and development, like the, the butterfly wiggling out of the cocoon. It may look as though that butterfly is stuck, that the butterfly is inept, that the butterfly is incompetent, that the butterfly is deformed or damaged, it can't get out of the cocoon. But if we could see it correctly, we would realize, no, that's exactly what that butterfly needs to do in order to live a healthy rest of its life. It needs that struggle out of the cocoon for its wings to be perfectly formed. So we don't know what anything is for, but it does all work together for our good. Subtle ways that we attack uh, are... And sometimes it doesn't feel subtle at all, but it can feel like an attack and we can trigger people's sense of dysfunction, of their wrongness, their unconscious guilt and badness. I think I've mentioned this before, but I once had an experience with a boyfriend, I think I mentioned this last year maybe, where... Uh, we were at a party with a colleague, a, a colleague who's kind of goofy. And um, this was a long time ago. And my boyfriend said to me, like, what a jerk he is. You know, he's like a, he's seems kind of foolish. And, uh, and I could see how he would say that. Um, and, so I said something, I don't know, kind of, I, I I hope I said something, it was a long time ago, I hope I said something kind of sweet, and my, at least that that's what I remember my intention was, to say something like, well, if you get to know him, you know he's actually really good at his job, he's very sweet, he's very kind, and yeah, he's he's a little, he's a little goofy, but it's very endearing. Well, my boyfriend, I think, recognized that what he had said was mean and unkind, and he was irked. Now, what I didn't know in that moment was that my boyfriend's father would make fun of him and belittle him uh, as a child. So he was very sensitive to men and boys who act in a way that could be called goofy or silly or stupid and because he had been shamed for it. So his, in his mind, uh, that man's behavior was shameful and it triggered his own sense of shame and his own sense of unconscious guilt. I didn't know any of that was going on. So when I, in a sense, defended my colleague, my boyfriend, felt attacked. He felt that on some level I was saying he was not a good person for having that mean thought. I don't remember thinking that, but that was the lens through which he viewed it. So sometimes simply correcting someone, giving our point of view, even if we don't have this ardent need to be right, just pointing things out sometimes is a subtle attack. I can see that now, that my, in a sense, defense of my colleague was a subtle attack on my boyfriend, making him wrong. I don't remember thinking I want to make him wrong. I do remember thinking, oh, there's another perspective. He doesn't see it the way I see it because he doesn't know my colleague. So 
one of the best tools I have in my life now is that I recognize I don't need to say everything to everybody. Whereas in my my history, to me, if somebody knows some information about something that would help me see it more correctly, if they withhold that, I, I don't like that. It's like, oh, you had information if I had uh, that I could have used. I would appreciate that. I remember one time I had a very difficult experience in a job. And after it was all over and I was out of that job, my parents said, yeah, we really wondered why you were doing that. That just looked like a train wreck about to happen. And I, I said to them, why didn't you say anything? And they said, well, we didn't want to influence you. Like, but you could have saved me. Maybe you could have saved me a whole bunch of of difficulty. So I, I'm of the mind, if you can see something, say something. However, that's true for me, but it's not true for everybody else. Like I, I'm happy to learn from people who can tell me, hey, if you go that way, that's the long way. But that's not for me to tell everybody. I hope this is making sense here. Um, so, for instance, uh, sometimes I can see that the way somebody is doing something is different than the way I would do it. And I there's a temptation to say, do you see this other way? That's the other way I would go. But some people would consider that a subtle attack, that I'm judging them and thinking they shouldn't do it that way. And so I've learned that maybe I don't need to say everything. Maybe I can just let it unfold and place my trust and faith in God instead of on my perception and my ability to understand things. So it can be a delicate line sometimes between seeing that um, people are making choices that could lead them to a place they don't really want to go, and do you say anything or not say anything? If nobody's asking for your advice, uh, I think the tendency is maybe not to say anything. But some people will go right in and jump in there, and it can definitely be perceived as an attack because it's felt it feels like criticism that you don't know you don't think I know what I'm doing. So for me, the antidote to a lot of these forms of subtle attack, criticism, judgment, advice, is simply to go to spirit. Am I to say anything? Is there something for me to say? I don't have to wonder or worry about what to say or where to go because the one who sent me will direct me. That's the truly helpful prayer. So just because I see something doesn't mean I need to say something. Sometimes we can see that, oh, this person is acting from ego and they're headed on a path where they might run into a brick wall. But maybe that's precisely what their personality needs to have a wake-up call. And it's not for me to say. It's not for me to say. So I've, I've learned to keep going back to the Holy Spirit. Just because I see something, do I need to say something? The ego mindset is in a constant state of criticism, particularly self-criticism. And that is the kind of subtle attack that we can learn to shake off. That constant habit of self-attack, self-correction, self-criticism. I shouldn't have done that. I should have done this. 
Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do that? Why did I do this? Why did I do that? The constant second-guessing and second-guessing. We can get rid of that because it is not helpful. It is wearing and it tears us down. It, it is such a distraction from spiritual growth. It is unloving. So for me, one of the guidelines is to look at, would I say this to a child that I loved? Would I say, make these kinds of comments? Would I give this kind of feedback to a child that I loved? That, that, that I used that thought thousands of times to stop me from many, many, many subtle attacks. I'm going to talk about uh, some of the results of the subtle attacks and how that is just a giant distraction, not a good use of our energy. All right. Well, it's time for me to go into a break here. And I'd like to let you know we have some wonderful things coming up. And you can check the events page at jenniferhadley.com to see what's going on there. I am Jennifer Hadley. (laughs) And you are listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio, where we are walking the talk, we're living the love. And I'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. Thanks for returning. We're talking about getting rid of the subtle forms of attack, right? This is all the activity of the unhealed healer, the subtle forms of attack. Now, the ego thought system can be particularly vicious when we are willing to accept our magnificence, to accept that our mind is the mind of God. The the thoughts of vicious attack can take over. And so can the subtle Wearing down attack thoughts that nothing is ever good enough, that everything has to be improved upon, and that we are in that ego outlook of constantly monitoring for waste, for not good enough, for something's wrong with us and the constant corrections. Yes, we do need to constantly correct the mind that is mistaken. But if the correction is that we are not good enough versus our thoughts, you see, then we're in that attack mode. So there's a difference between who we are, what we are, and our thoughts. So we can be mindful of our thoughts without attacking ourselves and recognizing that no matter what our thoughts are, our perfection, our wholeness, our beauty, our magnificence is intact. And we're interested in having it thriving. So thinking that we must be transformed and changed because we are bad and wrong, it's a validation of this constant sense of attack. So one of the subtle forms of attack, when we get the hang of it, it doesn't feel subtle at all. But one of the subtle forms of attack is the constant comparison. And in that constant comparison, for many people... We're always coming up not good enough, not good enough, not good enough. So it's a constant self-attack that's going on. And Jesus talks about how that we have this profound sense of vulnerability that is fed 
when we are in this mode of comparison. And whether we're projecting the attack outward or inward, in a sense, it doesn't matter. Because our mind is not being loving. We are not choosing loving thoughts. And so we are going to feel extremely vulnerable. Whenever we're choosing unloving thoughts, we're going to feel extremely vulnerable. And so you can see how putting someone in the place of feeling extremely vulnerable day in and day out could be yet another subtle form of attack. So being in that comparison mode, day in and day out, comparing ourselves to others, why does he get that? Why does she get that? How come they're paying attention to her and not to me? How come they like him, but they don't like me? How come they invited her, but they don't invite me? The constant, oh, that's easy for her, but it's hard for me. She looks good in that, and I can't wear that. The The constant forms of comparison are a constant form of attack that will leave us ever increasingly feeling vulnerable. In the last year, I've spoken with so many people who are feeling that they're not accomplishing enough, they're not doing enough, they're not enough. And because that is a core belief that they have, they're experiencing it in their day-to-day experience that they are not doing enough. It's it's the pervasive belief in lack that is the core of the ego thought system showing up as I'm not doing enough. My output is not enough. I'm not accomplishing enough. You see that, of course, that's going to be an ego thought. And yet, because we're so convinced that it's true and that it's not an ego thought, it's truth. We keep it going and keep it going and keep it going. We don't want to let it go. I think one of the best things for me Uh, in my life is to let go of this need to constantly be accomplishing things. So I'm a very, very creative person, and I love being creative, whether it's making soup or whether it's writing my daily blog or whether it's bringing a new curriculum for a new program. I I just can't help it. I'm a constant creator. And so when I go on vacation and I'm more relaxed, I have my creativity even more coming through. And so I can't wait to get back to work (laughs) and start making and creating more things. However, I no longer think that I have to do any of that. I I don't want to live my days under the tyranny of the have-tos. So that, it doesn't seem subtle to me anymore, but it can be to other people a subtle form of attack, the constant, you should do more, you should do more, you should do more. It, It When we are on this spiritual journey and deeply committed to it, we will get to the point where we can recognize it's not about accomplishing things in the world. It's about accomplishing things in our heart, in our mind, and being able to actively choose peace and choose joy, choose harmony, choose compassion, and be able to live in that place of moving in in those spiritual qualities all of the time and being undeterred from them uh, and to be able to, as as they say in, in the Buddhist circles, to hold your seat, right? To hold on to your spiritual sovereignty. That is a true accomplishment. Uh, but getting many things done in the day is not so important. So more and more, I, I'm 
really seeing how I used to make so many other things more important and that that is actually a subtle form of attack. It's a subtle way of saying, I'm not enough. I need to accomplish more. But the greatest accomplishment is to be joyful, to be harmonious, to be able to be patient and kind and generous no matter what. Let us focus on being able to recognize our magnificence and that this inner magnificence, this what, what Jesus calls grandeur, I, I just happen to like magnificence better, uh, the, the grandeur is God-given. In fact, in this section, uh, chapter 9, section 8, Jesus says, Your grandeur, this is paragraph 4, Your grandeur is not delusional because you did not make it. You made grandiosity and are afraid of it because it is a form of attack. But your grandeur is of God. So our grandiosity is an attack on God. Our grandeur is a gift from God. And Jesus says, your grandeur is of God who created it out of his love. From your grandeur, you can only bless because your grandeur is your abundance. So if we substitute the word magnificence, from your magnificence, you can only bless because your magnificence is your abundance. When we accept our magnificence, then we can accept everybody else's. When we accept it in other people, then we can accept it in ourselves. So think of that. Your magnificence, your grandeur, is your abundance. By blessing, you hold it in your mind. So let one of the practices that I've had to move me out of that subtle attack mind is to bless and to bless and to bless. So when I lived in L.A., I'd be driving around town uh, constantly in the car, and I would bless the people walking on the street, bless the other people in the cars, bless the people sitting at the bus stop. So we can bless the people on the news and in the newspaper. We can bless and bless and bless. And by doing that, we are extending our grandeur, our magnificence to include them. So by blessing, you hold it in your mind, protecting it from illusions and keeping yourself in the mind of God. Remember always that you cannot be anywhere except in the mind of God. When you forget this, you will despair and you will attack. So whenever we're feeling agitated, we'd like to complain, we'd like to criticize, we'd like to attack at all. We are absolutely 100% misperceiving if we knew our grandeur, if we knew our magnificence, we would only wish to share it, to extend it. So it's because we've forgotten our grandeur and our magnificence that we are engaging in these subtle forms of attack. So the antidote is to remember our magnificence and our grandeur. How do we do that? Once again, we simply go to the Holy Spirit, help me to remember and to recognize my magnificence, my grandeur given to me by my Creator. And let me recognize the magnificence and the grandeur in all of my brothers and sisters. Let me see it so, so clearly. If we are not willing to see the magnificence in all of our brothers and sisters, could we possibly be truly willing to see it in ourselves? If we hold anyone out, don't we hold everyone out? That's the thing. That is the thing. And so Jesus says here, by blessing, you hold it in your mind, protecting it from illusions and keeping yourself in the mind of God. Remember always 
that you cannot be anywhere except in the mind of God. When you forget this, you will despair and you will attack. So when we feel that energy rising and we feel like attacking or we are in attack mode, the antidote is to remember we're in the mind of God now and forever. Our grandeur, our magnificence is intact now and forever. And so let us not tolerate being upset. This is what Jesus says in the next paragraph. Your ego depends solely on your willingness to tolerate it, to tolerate the ego. If you are willing to look upon your grandeur, you cannot despair, and therefore you cannot want the ego. So we don't have to figure out how to recognize our magnificence, our grandeur. We don't have to figure that out. We don't have to figure out how to have the eyes to see and the ears to hear, the mind to recognize. We just have to be willing to recognize that we are already magnificent. We are already there, and we always have been there. We always will be there. We cannot leave there because it's God-ordained. Everything else is hubris because we've made it up, right? Thinking that we're less than is hubris. We've made it up. Jesus is telling us that we are, by nature, magnificent, that it is our nature to express the grandeur of God. But think of all the, the stories of where people felt good about themselves and they were torn apart by their community because they felt good about themselves, because they felt entitled to be happy. They felt entitled to be loved. Many times that is just intolerable to the ego. It's unbearable to the ego-identified people. I was thinking uh, recently how uh, I went, I, I have uh, uh, obviously many friends who have accomplished many things and I'm so excited for their accomplishments. Excited for, I love to help other people reach their goals and celebrate their magnificence and their grandeur. That's one of my things. I really enjoy it. I don't feel jealous. I don't feel like I need to tear them apart or tear them down or judge them or criticize them. And I won't say that I've never felt that or that I, I haven't felt tinges of that at times, a little bit of jealousy. Sure, of course I have. But nonetheless, I still can celebrate their magnificence. And that's why I started doing the Living A Course in Miracles classes, because I was interested in what these teachers had to say and building a platform for them to say it so more people could find them and more people could reach them because I don't believe in competition. I just, if all is one, how can there be competition except in the mind of the ego? I don't have to compete for counseling clients or students or um, anything like that. Why would I? There's no competition. If I place my faith and, and trust in spirit, then anyone that I am to support will hear the sound of my voice and know and come find me. They'll be led, guided, and directed to me. I trust that. So there can be no competition. To me, when any person finds the spiritual teacher that speaks to them, that is a celebration for all humanity. It's wonderful. 
and and Jesus makes it clear in the course that there's this variety of teachers and people because people are able to hear different things from different people. And that's beautiful. It's part of the uniqueness of our human experience. <laughs> it's not possible for us to recognize our grandeur and our magnificence and still wish to attack other people, still wish to cut them down, still wish to say they're not enough, that they are in some way bad or wrong. So it's important for us to be on the lookout for these subtle forms of attack that can be displayed in our mind and to instead turn our focus to the grandeur, to the magnificence. Because the subtle forms of attack are evidence of our belief in littleness. That's why I do my Stop Playing Small retreat, which will be coming up in the spring. I, I'm i going to do it in the fall as well, twice this year, because oh, I love doing that retreat. We're going to do it online. I look forward to doing it in person again. Uh, I just don't know if it'll be this year, but we're going to go ahead anyway. So we cannot behave in that littleness mode of being jealous or trying to cut other people down while simultaneously acknowledging our grandeur and our magnificence. So anytime we are interested in criticizing other people and tearing them down, punishing them and making them wrong, we've forgotten who we are. Now, to me, one of the clear and strong and beautiful and Oh, so helpful messages of A Course in Miracles is that we don't have to know how to reaccess our grandeur or to recognize it, but we do have to be willing to let the Holy Spirit lead us to it. And there's no way that we can be led to it if we're in these subtle forms of attack and the, the criticism, the shaming, the blaming, the little ways that we say people don't measure up, not good enough, they're doing something wrong. Yeah, they're pretty good, but still they've got issues, they're not perfect. So learning to celebrate other people's expressions of magnificence without offering any criticism, no more yeah buts. One of the reasons why it's so valuable for us to be attuned to the subtle vibrations of attack is because every time we give ourselves permission to attack, even if it's just a thought, we are pushing away our awakening, the healing of our mind. All attack is self-attack. The attacker always feels attacked. The judger always feels judged. And as I like to say, the beloved, the lover always feels beloved. So what would I like to feel? Beloved. Beloved. And so when we are thinking that we're not good enough, then we're in that self-attack mode. And we can move out of it by recognizing the magnificence, the beauty, the perfection, the wholeness that is everywhere present in everyone. And so paying attention to the small little criticisms that are the subtle forms of attack, the the tendency is to find fault and I was a very very committed fault finder so I know a lot about that I thought that finding all the faults all the shortcomings all the errors would somehow protect me from pain and suffering I didn't know that all the fault finding was my pain and suffering so what I am so grateful 
uh, about, what I'm relieved about, is as I go down this path more and more, I don't see the subtle forms of attack. I don't see them. I don't need to see them. I'm not interested in, I mean, I'm not interested in seeing the criticisms, seeing the things that I used to criticize. So the shortcomings, I don't need to see that, oh, um, that could be done better. I don't even need to think about that. But before, I did feel I needed to think about these things so that I could always be right. I could always be ahead of the game. I could always say, yeah, I thought they were good, but still there there were these limitations. The constantly being prepared to offer these criticisms and the constant feeling also of disappointment. Things aren't good enough. Things could be better. I wish they were better. And so more and more being able to move into that place of really just enjoying what is and giving up the need to find fault with things and find the cracks in things and and find the shortcomings and acknowledge them. I'm not I can go to a restaurant and enjoy everything without being a restaurant critic. Maybe that's a helpful way of making it clear what I'm talking about here. Oh my goodness. Yes. This is so worthwhile because when we engage in all that subtle attack, it sets us back, way back, in terms of feeling whole and complete and harmonious and living as our true identity. Yes, yes, yes. I love these teachings of A Course in Miracles. I'm so grateful for them and the, the liberation that they bring, the freedom that they bring. Yes, yes, yes. And if you are appreciating this podcast, I invite you to come to jenniferhadley.com or livingacourseofmiracles.com. We've got lots of free things, lots and lots of resources there. We've got transcripts of the podcast. We've got daily prayers and inspiration. We've got free classes, paid classes. We've got all kinds of programs and, of course, the opportunity for you to to uh, make a contribution and to donate. And thank you, thank you to all those who donate. God bless you. We're grateful and thankful to be in a partnership with the Holy Spirit this day and every day. In gratitude, we share the benefits with all. We let it be, and so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. Mwah.